What goes on in your life behind the scenes that can help you live for God? Join us for this series on My Secret Life. chapter number 13 tonight Romans chapter number 13 and I want you to find your place there in the Word of God I want you to stand up with me tonight Romans chapter number 13 and I want to look at this passage of Scripture and we started a couple of weeks ago talking about my secret life we didn't get to it last week because uh, brother Johnny Daniels was here did y'all enjoy him boy wasn't he a blessing fireball for 80 years old and he's looking for his next thing that he can do for the Lord I love people like that Reminds me of old Caleb. Y'all remember Caleb in the Bible, 85 years old. Give me that mountain. Most of us are saying, give me that rest home. <laughs> and he's over there saying, give me that mountain. Romans 13 tonight. And I want to begin reading in verse number 11. Now let's look down through verse number 14. And that knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chamberness and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And I want to call your attention tonight. I love this little phrase. It said, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness in verse number 12. And let us put on the armor of what? Say that word with me. Light. Let's say it like we mean it. Light. With the help of the Lord tonight, I want to preach on this subject. A radiant light in a lethargic world. A radiant light in a lethargic world. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight, the few moments we have together, that God, you would challenge us and charge us about that one light that we have. God, that light that we learned way back yonder in, in, in preschool, Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And I pray that you'd help us and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. How many of y'all remember being in Sunday school way back yonder and learning that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Three of us, wonderful. The rest of us are gonna go join Miss Debbie's class on Sunday. We all know that little song and hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. When we think about our light, our light is what are we when nobody else is around? How many of you know that God knows the real you tonight and God knows the real me tonight? You and I are living in a very lethargic world. The attitude of this day is much of carelessness. If it doesn't concern me, I'm not too worried about it. Have you seen that in today's society? It is a time of complacency. Oh, well, it's not me. It's them that's going through things. And it's a time of coldness. Have you ever seen such a time where it seems like nothing bothers people anymore? I mean, you think of all the atrocities that are happening over there in the nation of Israel, and yet there are cold and callous people to the atrocities that have taken place on the Jewish people. 
We see things that have happened in our day and hour and how murder has filled our streets and it seems like we've lost our tears and we're broken over what's going on just around us. People ODing with drugs and where is our burden for those broken homes and those broken lives? And it seems like we can just go through the motions and if we're not careful, you and I can just found our place in a very lethargic world. But when I come to this passage of Scripture, the Lord is saying, hey, listen, it's time for you and I to realize it's high time. The coming of the Lord is drawing nigh. It's not time to hide our light under a bushel. It's time to let it shine. Listen, if there was ever time for the people of God to say, now is our opportunity, knowing the time, knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of our sleep. It's time to rub the sleepy out of our eyes and wake up and say, I've got one life and I've got one light. Help me to make it count for the glory of God. I only get to go around one time, but Lord, help me to make the most of it. God, I want my light to shine at home. God, I want my light to shine at my work. I want my light to shine in the community. God, and I don't want just any old light. God, let it be a radiant light in a lethargic world. When I come to this passage of Scripture, because see, that's my secret life. Lord, how can I have a radiant life that will shine at home? God, how can I have a radiant life that will shine at work? God, how can I have a radiant light that will shine in our community when it's all around me? It seems there is a lethargic world around me. How do I do that? Let me give you three thoughts real quick tonight, and we can go get us a hamburger. And all God's people said, amen. Number one, here's the first key. We've got to be conscious of corruption. We've got to be conscious of corruption. Look at verse number 12 with me. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore, look at this, cast off the works of what? Darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. What does that mean? Some of y'all will get this. It means to throw off, just like you do covers when you get hot. Do I got anybody that gets a little hot? And I mean, if you're underneath those covers, watch out, because it's fixing to get on like Donkey Kong. And I mean, they're going one way, and them covers are going the other way. You know, when a woman is going through the change, poor man, poor man's freezing to death. Some of you women can identify with that. And some of you husbands are ashamed to even nod your head. But the truth was known. I remember years ago, Amy and I were going down the road. And she started. And she was cold. And so she got a blanket. She's sitting up there in the front. And she went to sleep on me. See, my crowd, the moment we get on the interstate, I look ahead and their eyes look down. (laughs) Anybody else travel with people like that? And it was just me and her, and we had just gotten our van, and we have dual control thermostats. And so, <laughs> so she is sound asleep over there, and I noticed them eyes are heavy, and so I begin to play with her dual thermostat. I begin to knock it up higher and higher. I just wanted to see how long before she came out of that chair. And see, she was wrapped up in that blanket and she can't stand for her feet to be hot. I mean, that is just like, oh my word, that's the unpardonable sin for her feet to be hot. I cranked that thing all the way to high. 
I could feel the heat coming on the side of my face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even believe I'm telling you this. <laughs> and about that time, I mean, there she is sound asleep. Up from the grave she arose. Those covers went one way. I mean, over there where I'm trying to drive the car, keep it in line. And she says, I'm burning up. I started laughing, tears running down my face. She says, why am I so hot? I said, because I've been playing with your dial. You know, for the rest of that trip, she would not go to sleep. We had a wonderful time. Communication. We worked on our communication skills. But that is casting off, throwing aside, not dabbling, not playing, but casting away from us. What's he saying? I've got to be conscious of corruption. If I'm going to have a radiant light, my radiant light cannot shine as long as wickedness is in my life. How many of you know that the devil, our adversary, is great at targeting the source of our strength? That is our fellowship with God. So what does he do? He does everything possible to target that well on the inside of you and try to contaminate it where you can't draw your strength from God. I've learned this. The devil would much rather for you to live in your weakness than for you to get to your strength. He would rather for you to keep you from your strength and make you live in your weakness. Those who played basketball, you know something about when the coach would tell you, we play man-to-man defense, you try to keep that. That's what the devil does with your strength. I'm trying to clog it up. It's interesting to note that in Genesis chapter number 26, there was the Philistines and Isaac was being blessed by God, hundredfold blessings. And they targeted something of Isaac's. They didn't target his tent. They didn't target his family. They didn't target his health. They targeted his wells. If we can clog his well, we can keep him for flourishing from God. I believe with all my heart, the devil looks at us sometimes and says, if I can target their well in their heart. Because see, being spirit-filled is not from the outside in, it's from the inside up. You're going to get that. Getting spirit filled in my life is not from the outside in. It's from the inside up. He has put a well of water on the inside of us. He's put the Holy Ghost there on the inside. It's from the inside up. So what does the devil do? He targets your well. He clogs it up with stuff, social media. He'll clog it up with worldly things that you don't think is a big deal, but it's keeping you from that best thing. And it's causing you to lose that well. So what did Isaac have to do? He had to go back and start unclogging. There was nothing wrong with the water. It was the fact that the spring had gotten clogged up. Let me ask you a question. If you come in church and it seems like, man, where's that freshness that I once had? Where's that walk that I once had? Go back and check your well. 
Go back and check the spring. Has something got clogged up in my life that I need to remove? Because the devil will do everything he can to clog it up. But there is something about when I get everything moved out of the way and that fellowship begins to flow and that heart is right with God, then all of a sudden that light in my life is a radiant light. I love to worship. Then I love coming to church. I love reading that Bible. I love to pray. And those things that were once a bore and those things that were difficult, those things that were dry, all of a sudden become fresh again. And it's like you're getting a fresh drink from another world because you are getting a fresh drink from another world. And if I'm going to have a radiant light in this lethargic world, I've got to be conscious of corruption. What does that mean? I can't let the adversary clog up my well. Let me ask you a question. What have we allowed this week? What have we allowed this week to clog our well? What have I allowed the devil to use this week? Listen, what a better time to get it right, get it out of the way. Let me have that fellowship with God. If I'm going to be a radiant light, I've got to be conscious of corruption. Notice number two. Not only I've got to be conscious of corruption, number two, I've got to be consecrated to Christ. Look at verse number 12 and verse number 14. Verse number 12, at the end it says, let us put on the armor of what? Light. Then look at verse number 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So being consecrated to Christ means I've got to put on the armor of light, put on the armor of God. What does that come back to? It comes back to my walk with God. My armor of God, putting the armor of God on my life comes back to my walk with God. It comes with the word of God. It comes through prayer. Listen, it comes with asking God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. So let me back up and let's just walk through that. So it starts with my walk with God, the word of God. Listen, how do I get something from God's word? I'm going to give you the rule to getting something from God's word. R-U-L-E. Write these down. Because they're only going to come one time, so write these down. R-U-L-E. Rule. Number one, this is deep now, this is deep, stay with me, read it. <laughs> I'm not going to get anything from God's word if I don't read it. I, I, I know that was deep. Most of the people over there couldn't stay with me over here, but stay with me now, that was deep. I've got to read it. I'm amazed at how many Christians do not read their Bible. You realize all that God did for you to have the Bible? The least I can do is get up and read it. I didn't tell you how many chapters you had to read. I believe with all my heart, you get in that book and you let that book get into you. I believe God would rather for you to read two verses and get something from it than read 85 chapters and you don't even know what you read. So number one is read it. Number two, or you, understand it. What does that mean? Sometimes I have to slow down and reread it to understand it. Reading the Bible is not a sprint. I'm not trying to rush through to beat my person beside me trying to read it. I'm trying to read it to understand it. And with that you of understanding, underline. 
if God speaks to me through a verse, underline that verse in your Bible. You know what I have found? A person whose Bible has been marked up and fallen apart usually has a life that isn't. A person that has a Bible that is marked up and fallen apart usually belongs to a person whose life isn't. Why? Because they're learning the secret. I'm going to read God's Word. Then I'm going to understand and underline in God's Word. Then the L is look for key words and repeating words. And then look them up. See, here's part of the understanding. If there's a word that I don't understand, what a great time to go look up what that word means. Now listen, we are so spoiled with technology, but we're so lazy we don't even use it. I mean, how hard is it to type in on Google definition of? I mean, you look at some of these words we just read tonight. Chamberness. Wantonness. We'll just read that and go on, but we have no idea what chamberness and wantonness is. That's not in our uh, ordinary vocabulary, but there's a reason why he used chamberness and wantonness. And so I go look up what does that word mean? You say, well, preacher, what does it mean? I'm going to tell you. I'm glad you asked that question. So we looked up that word chamberness. So I go get the definition for it, and I know this is real deep, but chambering has to do with sexual immorality, like shacking up, chambering. Wantonness has to do with shamelessness, losing sensitivity to the Lord. When I go look that word up, and I understand what that means, how many know that makes that verse come alive to me? But it took me looking up the definition of a word. Here is a great app. Now, I know when I said the word app, some of you are like, what? What's an app? How do you spell that, preacher? Blue Letter Bible. If you will get that app on your phone, smartphone. They're smartphones because they're smarter than us. If you'll get that Blue Letter Bible app, you can go on there and you can hit the verse and it'll come up. It'll give you the Strong's number. It'll give you the definition. It'll give you where it is used in the Bible. It'll give you, I mean, everything. And it's all right here in the palm of your hand. Years ago, I still got one of these in my study called a Strong's Concordance. I had to get up from my seat, walk all the way over there, grab this big book out, lay it open, go hunt print that's need a magnifying glass, then flip to the back trying to find the Hebrew word or the Greek word, and now God's given to us right here, and some of us are so lazy we won't even pick it up. But look. Why? Because I'm trying to get God's word in my life. So look up the meanings. Look up the definitions. Understand God's word. So what was R? If I'm going to read my Bible and get something out of it, what am I going to do? What's the R? All right, we got that one. Number two, understand, underline. Number three, look. Look up words, key words. Look up words. And then here's the E. Emphasize it for you personally. 
How does this apply to my life? What can I walk away from my devotions with today? After reading what God has put before me, what takeaway can I take with me throughout this day? Now, see, now I have just made God's word personal for me for my day. That wasn't hard, was it? R-U-L-E. So I need God's word. Here's the second thing. I need to pray. Now, I normally pray not a whole lengthy long prayer, but right before I start reading, I start praying. This, I pray something like this. Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Psalms 119, verse number 18. God, I can't see this on my own, but I need your help. So I'm praying, asking God to give me insight to his word. I will need his word, but then also I want to spend time with God in prayer. I'm amazed at how many Christians don't even spend time praying. We'll run through our prayer at our meals. We may hit three of those. But listen, how much time do we spend praying, really getting a hold of God in prayer? And let me say this, when we talk about prayer, how much time do I spend praying for myself versus how much time do I spend praying for others? There's the difference. There's the difference. I'm noticing something about the ones who are going on to heaven. These heroes, they knew something about prayer. We were with Brother Johnny down in Puerto Rico a few weeks ago, Jason and I and Brother Charles, and he said he had a man come from uh, Michigan out there, and they were going to do some work down there in Puerto Rico. His name was Don Green, and he said, you know, I met this guy. He came out here, and uh, he said, I'll never forget the first time he came and stayed with me. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was probably about 3.30, 4 in the morning, and I walked down the hallway, and his light's on. He said, Brother Don, was everything okay last night? I saw your light on at 3, 3.30 in the morning. He said, Brother Johnny, don't worry about me. He said, that's when I'm starting to pray for people. He said, I get up early in the morning so I could talk to God about others. He said, I wasn't praying for me. He said, the man wasn't praying for himself. He had a prayer list, and he was praying for others. Listen, we just do not give out names just to give out names about people in surgeries and people with needs. <laughs> this is not just so we can be in the... <laughs> no. <laughs> I know there are some, that's all they want. I want to know every little detail. <laughs> but that's not why we do this. Why do we talk about somebody in surgery? Why do we talk about, because we want our people to go pray for them. Amen. Did you hear Randall, what he talked about? He said, I couldn't pray. Listen, when he was laying in a coma, he couldn't pray, but there were people that were praying for him. Yeah. And in my time with God, I want to read the Bible. In my time with God, I want to spend time in prayer. And in my time with God, I want to ask him to fill me with his spirit so I do not go into this lost world. I do not go into my job half filled with the Lord, but I go full of faith and full of power and full of the spirit of God. 
How many of you know that the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. That is a command where you and I constantly, God, fill me today and use me. I got all the Holy Ghost when I got saved. Don't miss that. I got all of him the day I got saved. But being filled with the Spirit is giving him all of me. God, fill me with you today. That means you take control. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. And listen, if I'm going to have a radiant light, that's the consecration i got to have to Christ. I want to be in that Bible. I want to pray. And I want to be a Spirit-filled Christian. Well, we need that today. I want a radiant light. So I've got to be conscious of corruption. I've got to be consecrated to Christ. Number three, and I'm done. I can smell that hamburger now. Number three, be committed to character. Be committed to character. Look at verse number 13. Look here. Let us walk how? Boy, people need that verse. Let us walk honestly. Look at this. Honestly. As in the what? Day. What does that mean? That the light's on you. God, help me to walk honestly like the light is on me. Not in rioting or drunkenness. Rioting had to do with partying and bars and alcohol. Listen, no Christian ought to be hanging out in a bar. <laughs> you know, I didn't ever think you'd have to say that in the pulpit, but sometimes you do. Listen, no Christian should be hanging out in a bar. Not in rioting and drunkenness. Number two, not in chambering and wantonness, not in sexual immorality or shamelessness, where we've lost our sensitivity to the Lord. And then it said the last one here, not in strife and envy, not in strife, not in conflict and not in comparison. You and I live in a day where it's conflict or comparison, strife and envy. I want to walk honestly. God, help me to have that kind of character that walks honestly in the day without conflict. And I'm not trying to compare myself with somebody else. I'm not trying to compare myself with another person. I'm not trying to compare myself with another ministry. But God, you're the measuring stick. Let me walk with you. And God, help me to live in a way that is pleasing to you as in the daytime. That will be it produce a radiant, radiant light in a lethargic world. Why? Because when you start walking in honesty with people, wow, they're true to their word. What a, what, they say stuff like this. What a breath of fresh air. Because people don't walk honestly. Back in the day, there used to be a time where your word was your bond. You didn't have to sign your life away 500 times for a deal or anything. People used to just go on the old handshake. Now they have a handshake and a knife in the back all in the same hand. But there's something about the child of God that lives different, that walks honestly, that has that kind of character. God, I want to walk in the day where the light's on me. I'm not looking for the shady way. I'm looking for your way. Amen. Years ago, in a meeting where D.L. Moody was preaching, they told a story about a ship that was in coming to a harbor. 
And as that ship was supposed to be making its way into the harbor, there, there was no storm, nothing going on. But during the day, there was a guy who was supposed to be keeping the lighthouse. Back in this time, they had the lighthouse, but there had been lower lights that this man was supposed to go and light. That was his job. Well, the man looked out there. It was a beautiful day. No storm was coming to him. So he decided, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy. And I'm not going to go out today and do my job and light the lower lights. We've got the lighthouse. It'll be okay. Well, that man drifted off to sleep. And when he woke up, it was storming. Major storm had come through. And now this boat was trying to reach the harbor. And there were no lower lights. All he had was the main light. And the story goes that the one who was supposed to light those lights had to watch that boat try to navigate into that harbor. And all he ended up doing was wrecking this boat on the rocks. And they said many lives were lost because the lower lights were never lit. There was a songwriter by the name of Philip Bliss who was sitting out in that congregation and he heard that story. Went home that night and he couldn't get out of his mind the lower lights. He understood the main light was Jesus. But it's like God was speaking to him, you're the lower light. And when your light is not shining and when your lower light is not lit, how many people end up shipwrecked how many lives have been lost because of my, what I thought was just one little light, a lower light that was never lit. You and I are the lower lights tonight. And there are people trying to make passage to a harbor for safety. I certainly don't want somebody to end up shipwrecked because I didn't keep my light lit. God help me to keep my lower light burning and be a radiant light in a lethargic world.